Today's guest is Brie Lafferty. Brie had a near-death experience while her heart stopped for eight minutes. And today we're going to learn about that experience. Brie, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. And if you don't mind, can we start on the day that yours happened? So to begin with, I had a incurable disorder called myoclonus dystonia. It's painful. It has a lot of symptoms and it just got worse and worse. And there were a few days. I can't tell you if it was actual demonic attack or a hallucination because my disorder also caused hallucinations. But I do know that on probably day number three, I couldn't do it anymore. So I basically asked the God I believe in to, to take over. Um, you know, you always hear in religion, surrender completely. I never knew what that meant. But that night, that's what I did. And I felt basically what I like to call surgical surgery. I felt tapping on my hands and my legs. And I heard this, this voice, not audible, but more like internal. Are you ready? At that point, I had no idea what they're asking or he was asking. I just said yes, because I was done with whatever was going on. And I felt three hard taps on my chest. And after that, I no, I no longer knew of Earth, of life, um, humans. I had no idea anymore. I was in this wonderful, dark, fuzzy love void. And it was so amazing. And, um, you know, I'm just... I don't really have a body anymore, but I didn't know what a body was. And um, I went through this really bluish white tunnel full full of numbers, just ones and zeros. Um, I like to explain it as if you're going down a slide at a water park and you can see through it. Um, so assume you're going down a blue slide. You can kind of see light through it. And it's just covered with ones and zeros and you go really fast. And I ended up in this white room full of numbers again. And I mean, they're just big black numbers. And I felt this present behind, presence behind me. And I was pretty sure um, it was either Jesus or someone comparable to Jesus. And I grabbed the numbers and... I threw them up in the air and said, no wonder you love creating. A um, little bit of a math nerd. Um, and after that, uh, I spent the majority of a time in this other area. Um, <laughs> the only thing from Earth I remembered was I hated snow, which is ironic because I'm from Colorado. And um, it was snowy out. And I just remembered I didn't like snow, and instantly it changed. And best I could describe it is I was in a Tarzan movie. <laughs> I was sliding down trees, learning how to fly. I lost my arm at one point and regrew. And I just, 
was so curious and having the time of my life. There was a time where um, I became a snowman. Once again, ironic because I don't like snow, but I was a snowman. I was a robot. I was something I couldn't even describe. I was pe- with people. I, I don't think all of them had been humans before. I just know that they were spirits in the same place I was. We danced, we worked, um, and nothing was ever said. Um, I mean, there's so much to my story. I don't really know what else to say, but um, I will move on to the part where there was this bob wire fence and I could not see behind it. It was blurry, it was fuzzy, and everyone started to cross this little itty bitty path and I wasn't allowed to. I don't know why, you know, nothing was ever said. Um, Then I ended up in another room where I saw this beautiful scroll, the most beautiful golden letters and seven presences behind me. I, I could tell they were all very important and my ego had been gone this whole time. Nothing of earth, nothing of humans, nothing of me, (laughs) but it came back. And as soon as I start to see this beautiful lettering, I get sassy. I'm like, haha, you're showing a human. And that is the second I got snapped back into my body. Hmm. Wow, it's an interesting story. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, to get a little background on this, can you tell me more about the symptoms, the physical symptoms? I think you called it an incurable sickness or disease. Can you mm-hmm. tell me about what you were experiencing before this happened? Um, so it basically started when I was 10. Um, I started getting weird cramps and weird twitching. Um, then I started giving, getting awful nerve pain. So basically, if you imagine a Christmas tree that blinks lights, imagine that's your body and those lights are pain. And then I'd get panic, panic attacks, hallucinations, um, anxiety, couldn't sleep. I would twitch. It was basically like I had MS, Tourette's, dystonia, and seizures all in one. Um, so it was, it was really hard. And I was on all sorts of medication before to try to treat it. It just made my symptoms worse. Um, so I basically went off the medicine and kind of tried to deal, deal with it. Um, it was really hard. It got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't know where it would stop. If it would kill me, they said it wouldn't. So it was basically just a future of pain in my life ahead of me. Um, So I had it for 14-ish years and just got worse and worse. Are you still suffering from it today? Nope. Not a single symptom since I came back. So since you've come back, you haven't haven't had a, a relapse or anything? No, not a single symptom. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going on four years. Wow, that's fantastic. All right, so you have some interesting things that you saw that are not common to a lot of them, but nobody's is exactly the same anyways. 
And so, first of all, you described yourself as a math nerd. Are you also a computer coder or something? Because I'm curious no. why you saw ones and zeros, because that's like computer codes. <laughs> you would think I'd be a computer coder or a software engineer. Um, I write proposals for a construction company. No math involved. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Also, when you hear numbers like that, you think of the matrix, you know, numbers and code <laughs> flashing everywhere. You didn't see anything like that, did you? No, but I do tease that my experience, you have to take the red or the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, see? So you had seven beings, I believe, behind you. Do you have any idea who those beings were? I don't. I wish I, wish I did. Um, I've studied several different types of religions. I grew up Christian. Um, I just know they're really important. When you saw the scroll... Were you starting to get a life review or something? or Because you said you saw human and you got sassy. Can you tell me more about that? I really wish I could. Um, I just remember seeing a stroll or a scroll and the golden letters. But they have wiped that from my head. Hmm. So I have no idea what it said. I don't know where it was going. I just know it was important and... For life of me, I cannot remember any of the words. Hmm. Interesting. Have you considered getting hypnosis to see if you I can? I have. You have. Are you planning on it? Yeah. I mean, if it'll help, I've had a lot of hypnosis. Um, I've had past life regression, um, Akashic rec records, mm -hmm. um, and still I cannot access what dang thing said. Hmm. That's interesting. I guess you weren't <laughs> supposed to remember that. I, and I, I think I would have if my ego didn't come back. Hmm, that's interesting. It appears from what you said that you had just forgotten about Brie Lafferty altogether mm -hmm. while you were there. Like the I did. Brie didn't even exist for you, right? Mm -mm. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. I was actually renamed. Oh, what was that? Um, My name is now 1048. And... Uh, I told you how I ended up dying. Mm -hmm. Hold on, I wrote notes. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gematria. What is that? Um, it's kind of numerology for the Bible. Okay. Um, so when I came back and mentioned, hey, for some reason, my name's now 1048. Um, my mom looked into it and it goes to Samuel twenty two eighteen and says, He delivered me from my strong enemy and from that they hated me, for they are too strong. And knowing how my heart stopped, um, it was kind of a big sign. Hmm. That's interesting. How does ten twenty eight go to Samuel? Uh, it sounded like it was a different number. <laughs> um I have no idea. I've never studied Gematria. Mm -hmm. Um I just, I talked to someone who had, and when they looked it up, that's what they said. So you heard that or someone said, how did that come about? Did someone say you are 1028 or how did that transpire? Um, I don't think I knew when I was over there, but when I came back, I'm just like, well, this is weird. I'm not Brie anymore. My name's 1048 and whose name is a number? So it was very, very confusing. But it definitely res resonates a lot with me now. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. 
I wonder if you just put 1048 in every book of the Bible, you know, as you go through, you know, like John 1028 or 48. And well, and that's Ezekiel the thing. The verse 10. isn't even 1048. It's Samuel 2218. Yeah. That's I mean, I was like, yeah, I didn't get that either. But then I don't know what, what would you call that? Gematria? Gematria. Gematria. Perhaps yes. somebody watching this video will, will leave a comment about that. Because, you know, a lot of times when stuff is not known, somebody will leave a comment. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody leaves a comment. All I'd right. love to see it. All right. Now, you describe some of these beings, if not all of them, I thought is even not even possibly non-human. Most likely not human. Yeah. What makes you think that? Um. So when I was over there, we all had this knowing I, I guess is a good way to put it. I mean, like I said, we never spoke. Um, you didn't even have to ask a question and it'd be answered. Um, so it's just kind of part of the knowing, I guess. Um, I think some of them may have been human, but I definitely know the seven in that room and the one in the white room were not. Um, but everyone else, I really don't know. All right, so you didn't see them, but you just had this knowingness, like you knew them. I didn't see the eight higher beings, I would say. Um, I did see other beings. Mm -hmm. And we interacted, and we, I hate to say speak, because we didn't speak, mm -hmm. but we communicated. Right. Um, Most likely telepathically. <laughs> so um, there was this weird craft some of them were building. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't know, I don't even know what a flamethrower really looks like, but it was huge and there was fire coming out of one end and a few people on, or things on ladders. <laughs> um, when I'm a snowman or a snow woman or mm -hmm. snow whatever, um, I wanted to walk under it and it got too hot and I melted. <laughs> And these things help put me back together. <laughs> hmm, interesting. I know. It sounds like a bad drug trip. <laughs> well, you know, everybody's experience is different. Do you feel like possibly this experience, you were in a realm or a dimension that was maybe multi-galactic or intergalactic, like with be beings possibly from other, you know, aliens or Absolutely. extraterrestrials? Yeah. Um, I definitely know... All of them were not human mm -hmm. or had been human. Um, I mean, they were all beings. They mm -hmm. all existed. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I don't, I don't know where they existed from. Mm -hmm. um, and also, it was not what I would consider heaven, but it mm -hmm. certainly wasn't hell. Right. Um, it, you know, I think it was just a resting place, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Interesting that the barrier of no return was barbed wire fence. It's any... probably because I'm from the country. I was going to say, is there some kind of connection there? <laughs> probably. Um, I've heard after my experience, I've looked very, very much into others. Um, and this this barrier was so interesting because you think you could see through Bob Wire. And I cannot see through Bob Wire. <laughs> mm -hmm. no, it's mean... just like my blurred background. Um, you know, you can see Bob Wire and then blur oh i had another guest on one time and 
wherever he ended up was like a city. And the point of no return was going up an escalator. And if you went up the escalator, you couldn't return. So, you know, everybody has their own lens, their own vision of what is that barrier. And like you said, you're from the country, so it makes a lot of sense to me to be barbed wire fence. You said that you did encounter Jesus or a Jesus-like being. Is that, you, you mentioned seven and then one. Was that the one that you're speaking of? Um, the Jesus-like being was the one. Okay. Um, I do not know who to compare the other seven to. What made you think that that being was like Jesus? Um, it's a really good question because I have no idea what Jesus would actually be like. Um, just once again, part of that, you just know things. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of more of a knowing, Mm -hmm. um, but it also could have been, um, so I nowadays view Jesus as, uh, on the same level of Krishna, um, Muhammad or Allah, um, Buddha, you know, that's, I kind of see them all on the same level. That's why I say Jesus-like, because mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's kind of like a spiritual master. Yes. Perfect way to put it. Thank oh, you. You're welcome. Did you communicate anything else with that being? Nope, just, no wonder you love creating, mm-hmm. and that was it. <laughs> Interesting. Did he have a response to that? No. No. All right. So after you had this experience, um, besides being cured of your illness, have you noticed any other changes? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, so I came back uh, medical intuitive. Um, it really made me really nervous at first. So I shut it down. I would like to get back into that. Um, I really hope to help people. Also, uh, I have two amazing guides with me all the time. Hmm. They're communicating with you all the time? Yes. Is it like you're clairaudient? You just hear their voices? Um, so there's three versions, seeing, hearing, and feeling, I think. Um, but I mostly hear them. Hmm. Interesting. When you but I can also see them. When you hear them, you're hearing them in their voice, not in your voice. Yes. Are they both male voices? I would say male, yeah. Do they communicate with you when you initiate conversation or like you'll be, you know, watching TV and someone will start chattering in your ear? (laughs) Uh, There's not usually chatter. It's usually one very direct, clear message. But um, I mean, they tell me a lot of stuff. If I'm in a bad part of town or something will happen if I don't leave, um, something's wrong, something's good. Um, and I tried to ignore them at first. And every time I do, it, it never goes well. So now I just listen. Uh, I would compare it to people's gut feelings nowadays, except for I hear it. Hmm. All right. I didn't ask, but how long ago did you have this experience? It'll be four years in 14 days. Is this experience a memory that's fading or is it still like something that's like you just happened yesterday and you can't shake it? It's not even like it happened yesterday. It's like I'm still living it. Um, And 
I'll have dreams I can't remember um, 10 minutes after I wake up. This was not a dream. I was on no drugs. Um, this was one of the most realistic experiences I've ever had. Hmm. And I remember every moment of it. And I thought it would fade, but coming up on four years and it is still as clear as if you just washed your windows. Hmm. Do you feel like you have any after effects from this that you have to manage? Um, yes, um, especially right afterwards. Um, I remember just the, the hardness of walls really freaked me out. Um, I had a, I would just keep touching my apartment wall because I could not believe how solid it was. Um, so there was that, there was the medical intuitiveness that freaked me out a little too much. Um, I still have after effects, but I wouldn't really say I have to manage them anymore. Um, I'm mostly happy about them. Um, like I said, I've got, or I had a sense of knowing that that's still here. It's definitely scary at sometimes, but I'm grateful for it. When you first started hearing your guys, how did you react? Did you think like, okay, am I hallucinating? Am I crazy? Or um, Not really, because I can also see them. I know you can't, mm -hmm. but they are two very large beings behind me. Um, I've never seen a face, but I've seen their wings. They've done some incredible things. Um, one time I was driving in San Antonio, which I, I don't know. Have you that's, driven? That's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, San Antonio and one time in Atlanta. And that's and where I've been there too. <laughs> so this time was in Atlanta. It kind of been raining and it's, basically a 12, 12 lane highway. And I see one guy kind of swerve a little and another guy kind of swerve. I'm like, ah, there's probably, you know, hydroplaning, you know, too much moisture on the road. And I have my mom in the car with me and I'm not freaking out because I'm like, eh, we'll be fine. Fair enough. There's one car slides all the way across the highway all the way back no one got hurt hmm. but i got to see why and um i think everyone has guides or angels by their side i'm just lucky enough to to know about mine so you said they were tall are they translucent mm -hmm. Like a ghost? I mean, when you see them, are they, you can see through them and they're kind of their faded, you know, beings of light, or are they as solid as you and me and look like actual people? Or how would you describe them? They definitely do not look like normal people because <laughs> they're probably seven feet tall and have huge, huge wings. Um, they also wear white robes. Um, I wouldn't say they're translucent, but I wouldn't say they're solid either. So you cannot see through them, but they are not as physical as we are. Okay. It sounds like to me you're describing angels. I, well, and I use that term intermittently because I don't know if they're my angels or they're my guides. 
Um, I don't know what the difference is. They could be either. All right. Well, what inspires you the most about this experience? Um, I came back with a lot of love in my heart. Um, also, I'm no longer judgmental. It took me a long time to be able to mention my own NDE because the fear of being judged. Um, but <laughs> death was the best experience of my life. I noticed that you look to your left a lot. <laughs> I'm curious. It's when I get nervous. Oh, it's from nervousness? Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe you were communicating with your guide or something. That's why you no, kept looking No, they, they mostly stay right here. They are very rarely in front of me or to my side, mm -hmm. except for when I need protection and they put their wings around me. But yeah, they mostly just hang out right here. Okay, that's cool. Have you told your friends and family about this? And if so, what are their reactions? So I had no idea what had happened to me. Um, so I told my mom the story and she has been such such a blessing in my life. Um, she was really, really diligent about helping me through this. Um, you know, kind of understanding the aftermath, um, what happened, that I'm not crazy. Um, so her support has been huge. My sister has been huge. Um, there's uh, some other people I will probably never tell. I mean, they are free to hear about it, but it probably won't be from me. Um, I have made some friends a little, put me in the insane asylum kind of way. Hmm. Um, but I've also had a few very, very supportive ones. So it's really been probably half and half. You've been with this experience for about four years. If you met somebody that had an experience a week ago and they asked for your advice, what advice would you give them? Breathe. It's going to be a rough ride, but you'll get there. Can you explain about that more? When I came back, um, when I went, it was really, really hard. Um, I mean, the process of going was really hard. And readjusting back to what we consider life was really hard. Um, and then just accepting it. Uh, I did not accept my own experience until I heard even Alexander speak about his on an IONS meeting. Mm -hmm. And when he told his story and it was the only, so I'd been to IONS conferences and read books and articles. None of them sounded like mine. And here's this neurosurgeon that basically told my story. I mean, obviously none of them are the same, but he told my story and I was so happy. It, it finally set, you know, it settled, but some people, it won't settle for 10 years. It won't settle for 20. Mm -hmm. It might never, you might never be able to talk about it. Um, it's, it's not an easy thing. I mean, mm -hmm. Like I said, it is the best experience I've ever, ever had, but it's not easy. If you don't mind, can you um, give us some more examples or some more insight into what it was like 
readjusting? Like what I understood you was readjusting even something simple as solid walls, but can you give me any more examples? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt like the plants were talking to me. The walls were so hard. Um, I'd go by a car crash and feel all their pain. Um, I didn't know what happened. You know, part of me thought I was crazy. Um, part of my family and friends thought I was crazy. Um, and, you know, I just want, I wanted to share my experience because it was so amazing. Um, but, you know, coming back, I was just like, cool, I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to end up in an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. Also, when I woke up, I thought I was going to wake up in a coffin. I thought I'd been gone for at least two weeks. Mm-hmm. Not eight minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's just all this stuff you have to relearn here. Um, also, I didn't not understand the hate of humanity. Um, I, I couldn't understand why people do awful things to another. Um, so basically, I could see a commercial and just cry. Hmm. so the whole i i would say the whole human experience was really really hard to uh come back to you mentioned that you were gone for eight minutes how did you did you like see a clock or something and see it when you came back so i knew something was going on and i texted my mom and so that's how i know about the time my heart stopped Mm -hmm. and when i came back I really thought I was gone for two weeks. So I looked at the, both the calendar and the clock on my phone and realized it had only been eight minutes. Hmm. That was pretty trippy. Yeah, that's amazing. Was one of the things when you came back and you had to readjust, my guess is, is that when you were there, you know, you're just consciousness and mm-hmm. there's you know you're so expansive and so big and you're not confined so and then, curious and then you I mean be- I tried to fly I mean I did not get the hang of flying mm-hmm. but I tried mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know I became different objects I was telepathic ish um there was no pain no physical anything um so one thing that actually grounds me when I'm here is food because I didn't have any food over there. When you came back, did you feel like you were just stuffed back into a body? And it, you felt, you know? Absolutely. Um, so not only with the solid walls, but this solid physical form. Um, that, that was definitely a really hard part. Because hmm. it just feels like you are a giant sausage stuck in a way too small casing. Hmm. I believe you mentioned that you grew up religious or at least you went to church. Yes. Did that change after your experience? And then, and in what way? Um, so I would say it changed before my experience, but when I surrendered, all I knew how to do was surrender to the God I grew up with. So that's what I did. But the God I grew up with is not the God I met. Um, I don't really call him God. Um, it's more the universe, love, the all encompassing being. Um, and that's why, you know, I say I met a Jesus like person. Um, not sure if it's Jesus, Mm -hmm. 
uh, growing up Christian, I really, I don't think there is a right or wrong religion. I think they all are based in the same place. All right. Now, are you more or less religious? Well, it was, it's kind of hard to say because I stopped being religious when I was so sick. You know, I'd kind of given up on the idea of God or religion or anything. Um, so I, I wouldn't really call it religion, um, but I do believe in higher beings. And I do believe in a type of God, just not any type that's probably written down. <laughs> right. Have you had any other paranormal experiences before this? Well, um, growing up, um, it wasn't just me. Uh, we saw ghosts and shadows, and I could have sworn I saw a UFO once. <laughs> Um, there was just three lights that hung there in the sky for hours. And I had this like super, super enormous amount of fear for no reason for lights. Um, I've never actually seen an alien, but I believe they exist. Hmm. And I know ghosts exist and entities and, uh, basically all the paranormal stuff. If you had the opportunity and you could have met somebody when you were in this place, I don't know if you want to call it a void or heaven or what. Basically a purgatory. <laughs> Why did they, I thought you said it wasn't really hell. Well, I don't view purgatory as hell. I just oh. view it as a holding place. Oh, you know, it's place. not heaven. It's not hell. It's just a place. Right. All right. If you could have met somebody there, who would you have wanted to have met? I know who I would have liked to see again. Um, but I also believe everyone is in their lifetime for a certain reason. So there's not really anyone outside of my lifetime I'm dying to meet. Huh. I know some people will say um, Amelia Earhart or Hitler. or. All right. All right. Um, so after seeing this podcast, people may want to reach out to you. Are you on social media? And if so, are you a public or private person? Private. Um, I will respond to any direct message or private message. Um, if I don't accept you as a friend, please don't take it offensively. I usually have an average of less than 50. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you can absolutely private message me, DM me. Um, someone actually reached out. Um, I believe last night, because I happened to post on the Near Death Experience uh, Facebook site, and she reached out. She's having a really hard time, and I hope I helped. Are you on the one that, um, I think it's Ned's, that has like 50,000 people? Um, What is the one we spoke on? I don't even remember. <laughs> I know it's called Dear Death Experiences. It might have been Ned, Ned's, and I've had him as a guest, Med, um, Ned Metania. And he has a lot of people, and it's almost like a community there. Well, all of them are kind of like communities in a way. But maybe it was there. Anyways. Well, the reason I'm so excited to be on your podcast is I hope my story helps somebody. Yeah, I think it will. It's amazing that 
I see in the comments of these podcasts that, you know, quite often that someone will say this podcast, you know, this really helped me. So um, I saw that you had Paula Lenz on with a shared shared death experience. Okay. Yes. She was a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, from from on Facebook? Um, we met at a small little gathering a few years ago in Loveland. So we'd get coffee every now and again. So I love her story as well. Oh, right. Yeah. I think she lives in Colorado now, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message that have, that you would like to share with the audience? Yes. Um, I would just love to get out. Try really hard not to judge others. You don't know their story. You don't know what they've been through. And you could be that person. So whatever love you have, try to give it. You can always get more. I like that. Thank you so much for that message. And thank you so much for being my guest. I wish you the best, Bree, and have a great evening. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Good night. Good night. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.